when I was younger was uh, great, you, you know, to the people see that I had a great potential, but arrived to one moment where they compare me to Mark. And at this stage for me was motivation, but I didn't realize that was more pressure than motivation. So I finished the year in 2015 in a really bad way. Uh, I break my my foot and then, you know, not really bad decision, but circumstances that make that 2016-17 was really bad. And 18, I start to find my way to be to be better. So, yeah, I think the experience I have when I was younger helped me a lot to to be good right now. And welcome to Last on the Breaks, the MotoGP podcast with myself, Matt Dunn, and alongside me as ever, Fran Wild. Hello. That was <laughs> uh, quite a lot of pressure there. I, know, I didn't know sorry. what I meant to interject. <laughs> My bad. Uh, yeah, we don't normally do it that way. Hey, this week, uh, it's another French theme. We got Fabio Quattararo joining Allez, us. Le yeah, it's absolutely, uh, well, it's, uh, who are we going to get next? Louis Rossi, Jules Danilo, our French colleagues, maybe. Uh, Fabio Quattararo, we've been wanting to get this guy on for so long because we've, it's in the short space of time that he's been up towards the top of the MotoGP Championship, he's, well, it's not been so long since we first like really met him in 2018, the year which changed his life forever. And he's got possibly one of, if not the most fascinating stories to tell in the entire MotoGP World Championships. So what are we talking about today, Fran? It is a good one. I would say the key word for this one is stratospheric, isn't it? That rise, it really yeah, is. Yeah. And that's not really hyperbolic. Um, but yeah, so with Fabio, we're not really talking about this year too much, although obviously that comes into it. We're more talking about how he made it here, because if you don't know the story, he was two-time Spanish national champion as it was at the time. It's now the FIM Moto3 Junior World Championship. Had so much hype coming into the Moto3 World Championship. You know, he was going to be quote-unquote the next Marquez um, or the guy who was going to beat him and then just a really difficult time over the first few seasons that he was in the world championship started off okay podium and then uh, yeah just really tough time and now as you can see it's uh, rebuilt into quite an impressive career yeah exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah it's an amazing journey and um, some incredible hard work to get there as well so I think it's a definitely a very good story. Yeah, um, and this is, as you hear us talk a lot about, this is just a guy absolutely living the dream, apart from when he's forced to come and spend half an hour to chat about it with us. Um, the absolutely. downside. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is the downside of being now, you know, the, one of the most sought-after characters in, in MotoGP now. Uh, so we really got to thank Fabio for his time. Uh, question of the week. Well, to be honest... Um, I think it's got to be, how do you deal with pressure in whatever situations you've got going on in your own lives at home? Let us know in the comments below this YouTube video or tweet us using hashtag MotoGP Podcast. What is your go-to to dealing with pressure? You'll hear about Fabio's mechanisms and how he, what, what sort of general thought processes he goes through to deal with it. Uh, Fran, how, how do you deal with pressure? I'm putting you on the spot here. You weren't you expecting are. this at all, were no, you? No, but I was from the start of when you said that because then I realised oh, we usually oh, chip no. in. Well, as you will know, being my flatmate for a little while um usually i go like really quiet and terse and just need to absolutely focus on what i'm doing and get left alone yeah and, and um, ironica is kind of the same with me <laughs> we're both yeah. the same age. we just don't talk um, for a whole day this year as well in lockdown brought in a little bit of starting to get interested in yoga which is quite a foreign concept because you can tell i am northern it's not really the cultural background i feel like it's more a sort of it's more a hampshire 
form of exercise. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm quite enjoying that. I'm trying. Um, I'm trying my best. But yeah, I think it's a really interesting question, though, isn't it? And of course, a big subject of uh, of the podcast with Fabio, not only now but also the journey he's been through with. He says, spoiler, even more pressure back when he was in the junior classes than he feels now. Yeah, it sounds like that is actually almost the key to Fabio's success, which you're seeing at the very highest level now. So I think uh, without further ado, we should probably stop doing uh, an intro and throw to actually us chatting with Fabio because it's a really awesome one once again. Ali, Ali. As you may be able to see already, today's podcast is with the inimitable Fabio Quartararo. Are we allowed to say it in the English way? Yeah, it's okay. the, the English way is, is okay. It's well, less of a nightmare than some yeah. of the attempts. <laughs> exactly. So if you're looking for scoops about this weekend or this championship, now we're going to more talk to you this week, hopefully, about your journey here, which is kind of a crazy one. Uh, for a lot of different riders on the grid, we see a lot of different paths to MotoGP. Yours, though, we'll start off first. How do you feel now you're fighting for the MotoGP World Championship? You've won three races already this year, more than anyone else. You had an amazing rookie season and all from that kind of Moto2 win and that contract and suddenly, how, how do you feel now you're here and on top of the world? Yeah, uh, for me it's, it's positive because, uh, you know, from middle of 2018 till now, let's say my career changed quite a lot. Um, <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> I got a bit. Oh no, no, I was saying just a bit. It's only ah, changed okay. a little bit. <laughs> no, don't worry. A lot. Because uh, honestly, you know, when everything is going not so great, uh, normally you always l- sing negatives. But at this moment, I only feel the positive that I was working hard. And as soon as I get the first victory, podium in Asen, we already have talk with. Uh, Johan, that is the team principal of uh, of the of the team this year. We had the MotoGP contract, and until there, everything is going so so fast. Let's say uh, we expect a good rookie season because we knew that the Yamaha is a familiar bike. But uh, we make seven podiums, six pole position. Uh, this year, already three wins. Uh, so yeah, for me, changed quite a lot, but in a really good way. So. I want to, to keep going in, uh, in the same direction. I, I look at you and especially your Instagram page. I saw, by the way, you've just got a million followers now on Instagram. You've seen that like, wait, yeah. no post though. Were you not doing a post about it? Yeah, I, I did it. Oh yeah, thanks for one million it. followers. It was in, in Barcelona. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, I started the uh, last year's season 120. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now I'm, it's pretty I almost big, eh? take one million in, in one and a half years. This so. is not bad. I hope you've kind of redone any deals there to make sure it reflects the new million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now we're looking for the two million. <laughs> no, no, exactly. but, I look, but I look at you, in it, especially your Instagram posts, and what I see these days is someone who's, who's basically got almost everything they've ever dreamed of now. Like the clothes you wear, the things you're able to get, <laughs> the, the places you're able to go, what F1 Abu Dhabi, you've got like a, you must have like access all areas at Juventus, FC Barcelona, hanging out with Neymar and things like that. Have you been able to take a moment to step back and be like, wow, wow, this is everything I could have ever wanted? Yeah, at the end, I can say that I'm living the dream, you know, like uh, I'm in a really good position right now. I'm enjoying it at my best. 
Uh, of course, this year is is tough for for the COVID. But honestly, when I realize what I have done and what I'm doing with, let's say, people that actually are my idol from, let's say, Lewis in in Formula One, uh, Neymar in in football. But let's say, is many people that um, I dream to meet like three years ago, four years ago, even long time ago. And I can say that I'm talking to them and I think it's great example, you know, to to follow, to to be inspired by, by this this athlete. And at the end, yeah, uh, it's so nice all the things that we do more last year for the condition. But yeah, to to go to see some some games and, and met some really interesting athletes to, to also take inspiration for for me. I guess as well, you, like we said, you've gone from, what was it, 120 to a million followers. You've gone from a Moto2 win to leading a lot of the championship this year and having all those wins. You must know as well that to someone on the outside, it's like, oh my God, Lewis Hamilton. But it's also just a person called Lewis because you must get this a lot, right? When people are like, oh my God, Fabio Quartararo, and you're just like, well, it's just me. Yeah. I guess you got to know the people behind those names as well now and kind of see what puts them where they are. Yeah, it's, it's strange because, you know, when, let's say my family or friends call me, it's by Fabio, it's my name. <laughs> but, you know, when some you met some new people, uh, example, yesterday I stopped at the petrol station and the guy recognized me and was special because at the end, Three years ago, I just put the fuel and thank yeah, you, I yeah. pay and I go. <laughs> and, you know, this year is like, oh, you're doing well, how are you? And the guy was following a lot the MotoGP. So it's quite weird because at the end I say, I just do what I love. It's yeah. racing <laughs> and at the end, of course, you get, uh, let's say, more people following you. But uh, I still don't really realize all uh, all these things that now every time more people recognize me and is is still still a bit strange <laughs> i think um there's i mean i always like to come back to this there was this one story of when 2018 the french grand prix you were part of the pre-event there where it was like the MotoGP gp riders the french MotoGP gp was Moto, Moto, the Moto riders with the... with the scan and the tickets in no i was thinking of the one with the wig oh no uh, no no no, no that was the greatest sticker of all time we, we can't mention 2015 was <laughs> we'll have to find a photo and put it in the edit but the, but this one was funny because like you zarko and Jules danilo were scanning fans tickets in and to think that was literally the race before your win in barcelona before all of this happened and at that time, you were scanning people's passing. Everyone was like, oh, my God, Johan, Johan. And then a few less people were like, oh, hi, Fabio. And then poor Jules Danilo as well. There were a few less people were like, hey, Jules. <laughs> but then like, but so you and Jules were kind of like quiet, less people saying hello to you. Everyone saying hello to you. But then the next year you get there, like yeah, you're, you're in MotoGP. And it was like, a full oh. riot if you tried to do that again. <laughs> That's crazy. There's like, did, I mean, that must just be kind of difficult to, to cope with. Yeah, because every year in Le Mans is always a lot of fans. But uh, I can remember that last year was totally out of control. Let's <laughs> say um, we just uh, go down of the press conference was thousand, not thousand, but yeah, uh, hundreds of of people down the stairs and waiting. I say, wow, this is for me. <laughs> what mm-hmm. I do that good to be the people <laughs> here. So yeah. Uh, I couldn't imagine this year leading the championship after a nine race there. But um, yeah, for me, like I said before, from 2018 
to now is the biggest change I, I ever had. I can imagine. And you obviously, as well, with our last podcast was with Johan. Or Joanne, so we say more French, sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, and you and him have such completely different journeys. So he was like a bit older. He started riding when he was a bit older and then he took the two Moto2 championships. You were like the superstar of the future already when you were like 13, 14 years old and winning in the CV. Like, what do you think about this now? Because we see some of the older guys like Dovi and Joanne was a good example where the experience pays and now you've made it again like everyone wants to find the new Fabio the new Marquez kind of thing so early what do you think about that and the kind of environment well I can say that uh, when I was younger was uh, great you, you know to the people see that I had the great potential but arrived to one moment where they compare me to Mark and at this stage for me was motivation but I didn't realize that was more pressure than motivation. So I finished the year in 2015 a really bad way. Uh, I break my my foot and then, you know, not really bad decision, but circumstances that make that 2016-17 was really bad. And 18, I start to find my way to be to be better. So, yeah, I think the experience I have when I was younger helped me a lot to, to be good right now because for me i spent 16 and 17 the worst years of my of my career because you know never great result always tough moments but you know when i'm looking at these years right now i'm like okay uh the result was so bad but i take a lot of experience and i leave all the bad things that i leave when i was in in these years helped me a lot to stay strong for for these years so at the end was negative for the result, but really positive for um, for the experience. Thing at the L, I mean, your story is one of our favorites because it's it's quite, it's such a high coming in because everyone's like, "What? Look at this guy, the new Marquez. He's going to be the one to take it to Marquez." And then the years don't go as you think, and then all of a sudden it picks up and goes like that and again. Now last year it is the guy taking yeah, it to Marquez. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it came true. But I want to ask you a bit more about that hype and that pressure, especially in 2017, because. As you said, you felt it was more pressure when people were saying that to you. How did you keep your head level enough and keep believing that you are going to get there, even when everyone had been saying you're the next big thing and then the results weren't there? I knew the, the potential that I had, uh, that I have and I had in this moment because, you know, I was normally I'm not a guy that like to complain a lot about the bike. But these years I was complaining, complaining, and there was one race where, you know, you feel good on the bike and you make good results. And at the end, this is what made me feel that I was good, you know. Uh, and this is why I never give up and uh, always train, train hard because uh, in 2018 I arrived to speed up and the boss just told me, keep like this, keep working in this way and you will arrive. And actually when he told me that I was p28 in argentina in the qualifying and uh, he put me in a really good mood i'd say okay i have no pressure from the boss so i can work and and keep going like that and this is giving me a lot of confidence and uh, from this moment everything's go go much better than what i expect yeah right i guess in some ways then was it even more pressure before that year when 
you were meant to be kind of coming up and setting every category alight and winning it all. Do you think that was more pressure then when it was going badly than you even have now? Yes. Yes, because, you know, uh, for sure, some riders, all the riders are different. But my main uh, uh, things that make me nervous or stressed is uh, if I have a ride for the years later. And at this moment, uh, in 2018, I signed two years with the Petronas and I was much more calm, no stressed. Uh, my future is already clear right now. I will be in 2021 and 22 with factory Yamaha. So this is the thing that can make me nervous. But uh, you know, then you, you learn during all the years that for sure, if I'm in the situation that I have no ride, for sure I will become because I know the potential that I have right now and I know that I, I can do some great results and uh, I had already tough times this year but always working in the same direction to, to always feel feel good but yes in the past the pressure was was a bit more. That's why I keep thinking when whenever we've seen you have hard times this year I think well at least whatever happens this year no matter how bad it were to get it's never going to be as much pressure and as difficult as maybe what you had before you came to MotoGP. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I see it that way because, uh, you know, um, the team was born last year. Uh, I arrived like a rookie that uh, finished 10th in the world standing last year in Moto2. Uh, I'm second in the championship right now. Uh, the pressure is not on me. Uh, I mean... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there is um, the top four riders that are with me are all in the factory, factory um, I've riders. I've noticed this yeah. as in the press release every week for the preview, I put the standings. And at the start of the season, there are a lot more little asterisks for independent team. And now there's just you and Taka in the top five. The factory guys are really gaining now, no? They're it's... really there. And I, and the end, um, you can say like, okay, Joan is a rookie, but he's in a factory team that have a lot of experience in the past they come back they they um, have a lot of evolution uh maverick is same he's many years he's MotoGP. dovi the same and i'm there in the middle of these guys <laughs> that uh two years ago i was totally lost and and yeah i'm, I'm just enjoying i do mm. my best and um if the championship if not for this year i will work a lot to be in the next in the next years but I have not really the pressure of the championship right now. The pressure is on them. I think um, I remember back in uh, Jerez last year when you had the pole position, then technical problem. And I think Tom was saying to you something like, um, Fabio, you're here for 10 years. You're here for 10 years. Calm down, calm down. Do you, in terms of 10 years to get your world championship, do you, is that what you keep coming back to yeah. well in, in that sense? At the end, you know, uh, you always, if I can win more than one championship, of course I won. Yeah, 100%. but is that moment where you say, okay, uh, was my fourth race in MotoGP? I do pole <laughs> position. I was there to fight for for the podium. And this moment, you say, okay, uh, I have a lot of more races to come, and uh, I can make more podiums than just one race in Jerez. So this this moment was important for me because it was up in emotion, but then really down because I, I break, uh, I had a technical problem, but this moment was important because make me feel that I had the speed to fight for podiums and, and wins. I guess, yeah, you can take the positive there from knowing you were going to get that, if not for that technical problem. I guess it's a little bit different to a crash now, the frustration yeah. if you have a technical problem, because you know it's not you. 
so you're like okay well yeah the end technical problem is a shame because you do nothing wrong but you can say in your head that okay uh it's not really my fault i was second technical problem you feel okay but of course at this moment even if i had a crash i would say okay i was second yeah, i wanted to try for my first podium and yeah. i crash but uh yes there is different mood in uh <laughs> what uh what is the, your problem yeah, crash yeah. or technical problem or even yourself sometimes so it, it's never really easy no. did you say anything to jake after his crash in le mans yeah that was heartbreaking to watch uh, him by the side of the track yeah was was tough because he's from few races that uh, we are always together uh, i think he's uh, he's a really good guy and a really good friend and for me what he did in le mans was fantastic okay he crashed but i just told him how many times do you lead a, mo a moto 2 race for yeah. almost all the race that you came from six and you make you overtake them all just sam go wide but i think the experience he take there he never take it in no races so i say for sure you will arrive to the next races and make a big step and Thank finally God. he make fourth here last week he so did. i just step by step you yeah. need to make mistakes and he did he did the good one let's say <laughs> crashing in first position so it's yeah. better than it's crashing not, from like 20th right yeah, exactly <laughs> so exactly what I, I say to him better crashing first than when you are in the back of the of so the group true. so uh before because i know we're, we're very conscious of time because you are incredibly busy obviously <laughs> so we've got a couple more things to discuss with you before uh, before we let you go last topic we wanted to ask you about was the people who support you around you you, a lot, some riders, you see them and they've got a massive entourage, loads of people around them to help lift them up. Your circle seems really small, like obviously with COVID and the restrictions of how many people we have, it's that guy behind the camera, Tom. And that's basically it, and your manager, Eric. How important is not just Tom to you, but also your family in helping you deal with that pressure? You know, at the end, uh, the people who are here are Tom and Eric, but... Um you know, I'm always having my family uh, by night. Uh, we make uh, like kind of a video with my brother, my mother and, and dad. Do you ever do the full like FaceTime and then eat food together or anything? <laughs> yeah, but that's what yeah. I normally do. Yeah. But uh, uh, in these circumstances, I like to, to eat and then have a walk and call them. So this is normally what I, I used to do. But when I'm in Andorra, I'm doing exactly this. When I'm eating, just <laughs> put the phone and, and call them. But uh, for me, it's important to have my family. Uh, you know, they, they are proud of what I do. So my mom, of course, she's always saying it's good. Uh, be careful. But, you mm -hmm. know, they, they know that it's not in few races that you can fight for a championship. And what I do this year, they are quite impressed. So they just say, OK, do your best. And the best will be will be enough because uh hmm. nobody expecting the second year what you are right now so you can be more than happy no for sure that. and you like we said you are the independent team rider who's been winning those races breaking those records so everyone loves you too much so they think you have to win it and that's it and that's the only thing that we'll do but it's just not the quite the situation when you are you is it you're just like well i've only just arrived here and now i'm winning yeah but at the end when i look at the media it's like I am the one that needs to win this championship. I'm the one that uh, needs to win, but keep calm, guys. <laughs> it's my second year. I mean, the satellite team that was built two years ago. Look at all the riders that are here for many years that 
are in the factory team. Mm. But this is what I don't understand. And at the end, I say, okay, for me, is not kind of a pressure, but if they're looking at me, it's also really good because yeah. they I was going to say, it obviously comes from a good place. Exactly, but. come from a good place. But I think right now the pressure is not on me and more in the, the top five riders, uh, more top four because Taka is coming. But let's say the top is uh, Maverick, Joan and, and Andrea, that at the end for me, the pressure is on them. I'm just enjoying my best this year because three wins is already a big achievement for me. So everything goes that fast. So just want to take it uh, slowly. Yeah, yeah. And outside of the racing, as we said at the start, you're living it up. You've got all the clothes I imagine you could have ever wanted <laughs> and stuff like that. It's awesome. Like, it's, it's cool to see because, you know, like, good for you, man, you know? Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, many people talk about the clothing and that. everything, but I like to be different and I think is is also cool is uh, your style uh, it feels like in the media nowadays everyone complains if you're the same and everyone also complains if you're different yeah so whichever you do someone's yeah. gonna have a problem right yeah at <laughs> the end you know uh the most important is to always keep the feet on the ground that uh, many people told told me that and the first first of all is my family uh you know uh, my dad uh, teach me a lot when i was from three when I was starting racing and from this moment he said keep the feet on the ground and I think that was the most important advice that I had mm. because uh, it's important to always be uh, in in your place and not with the the feet flying so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think that's ruined uh, a important. quick fire question yeah it has actually already <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of the questions like, damn it no, that's, that's, a, that's the thing like, well, I mean we'll say one more thing then we got to do the came with quick fire okay. right but I, just, I think back to like when I when I first me and Fran first started travelling to races frequently it was 2018 obviously your key season and I remember when I did my first interview with you for the French uh, side of MotoGP.com and like you were you were confident having a good time happy to meet new people but you were quite shy with your english and kind of shy in general and quite giggly you and danny <laughs> kent playing games but and i still and even though you are so much more confident now i feel like i see you're you're walking around very sure of yourself you still seem the same fabio which is really nice to see and i guess that's down to your parents and the people around you right yeah, yeah and i think this is so important you know that uh, actually also the relation you build with your friends your your family it's not that because I moved to MotoGP and doing great results that I need to change. Mm. Uh, everything is is good. Everything is working well. So I'm I'm the same. Of course, I take a little bit more experience with my English and feel great now. More, more comfortable. Mm. Still needs to improve. But uh, you know, when I start the first years, uh, I was shy because I didn't want to make mistake. And for sure, I'm doing a lot right now. But I try to improve myself every time I'm doing interviews. And, and media and try to express myself the best way as possible but uh, I'm the same just uh, in a different category that was from Moto2 to MotoGP yeah. but I'm exactly the same as before awesome that's cool and for the record you also you're saying like oh I'm working on my English but you're like fluent in Spanish yeah obviously French as well yeah. like you're you're the nightmare on the interview set because you could just talk to everyone in their language yeah. <laughs> it's like and, and the worst is that Spanish and Italian, there is a lot of word that is similar. Oh, and why I'm yeah. to uh, Italian TV, I'm talking Italian with Spanish words and to the, yeah. to it's the really Spanish. Hard. Those that, are the two mm, where it's yeah. really hard to separate. Spanish them. for me was no problem, but as soon as I start Italian, sometimes I make 
mm-hmm. like kind of a of a mix yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes and then you disaster, end up with yeah. catalan <laughs> no catalan not yet <laughs> right okay, so cool. before we let you go then kenwood quickfire kenwood they do the radios like from gp so thank you kenwood as ever for sponsoring this final segment it's a quick fire round but you can elaborate on your answer okay. if you like so the first question got to ask you do you prefer coffee or tea I prefer tea. But no. yes. you're like the second person to say that in 23 European episodes. Yes, but let here. me finish. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer tea, but when I need to, sometimes I'm feeling asleep, I take a coffee. But I don't really like coffee. So coffee is like for practical reasons. Ex- exactly, for practical reasons. So what about running in the mountains or along the, is it called Promenade des Anglais? Promenade des Anglais. Or, you know, the seaside vibe doesn't have yes. to be in Nice. For me, I always like to be at home. Unfortunately, I'm not there uh, a lot of times. But when I go, I like to, to run in the Promenade des Anglais because uh, it's always peaceful. I go with, with my friend um, or with my headphones that sometimes is, is really nice. So and you can't hear everyone yelling, Fabio, Fabio. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, to be in the, in the best way as possible, you know. Um, okay, so what's your favorite video game? You know, I play so much in the quarantine that actually I think is uh, from July that I don't uh, play on the games. No way. But uh, I would say Fortnite because it's a game that uh, I spend a lot of hours and days <laughs> <laughs> in, in the game and I think it's uh, quite, quite funny. So I would, say, I would say Fortnite. Okay, cool. Uh, what about your dream car? Uh, I don't really have a dream car. Uh, I'm already really happy of what I have uh, because I would have not imagined already at my age have what I mm-hmm. have. But uh, let me think about it and maybe I will, I will come back to okay, you. We'll come back to <laughs> okay. uh, why are you known as El Diablo? <coughs> because when I was a child, I had a, an helmet, replica helmet from Roberto Locatelli. And um, the main rival I had when I was six years old called me El Diablo in Spanish. <laughs> and then <laughs> reputation earlier. Yeah, <laughs> El Diablo. And then, you know, when we finish the, let's say, the, the, the practice or the race, we always go to play football or bicycle or scooter. Nice. And then was 50 kids. So all the 50 kids called me El Diablo. <laughs> and then I grew up with, with this nickname. Sweet. That's, that's cool. I like that original yeah. story. Uh, what's your favorite win celebration so far? Well, uh, this is easy because I don't win a lot. So I would say the one of my first victory in Barcelona that was from Nusret. Because uh, <laughs> you, you destroyed know, everything. I, <laughs> I just was there and crossed the line and I say, what can I do? What can I do? And finally, I, I do that. Yeah. So it was was so funny and I think was 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 great because I was the first one really to to do that you know in, in a motorcycle and you know him now right you message him sometimes no no no, no you I don't ju- yet no 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 Get I on. just uh, take a picture with him in um, Monaco in mm. the Formula One but it was quite strange because you know he's always special you do a celebration with him and even if he's a cooker he's what was cool to <laughs> good see him yeah good meme no, okay cool. uh, what's your best race ever same answer, I guess, probably. Best race ever, I would say uh, Motegi in Moto2. That uh, actually for me is a win. 
just uh, we wow, had. Wow, that's a, a controversial choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but for me, for me is is uh, my greatest race because it was Peko behind me all the laps, all the all the um, yeah, all the race. It was twenty two laps, I think, and I led almost all the laps and and finished in front of him. That was the 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 world champion of of that year. And of course, Thailand with Mark that was behind all the race, zero mistakes. Uh, but yeah, uh, I did some really good races, but I think Moto2 in Motegi, I'm, I'm really proud about this race. Okay, that's cool. Um, which celebrity inspires you the most and why? Right now, I would say Lewis Hamilton, because he is first in the world of, uh, of racing. And um, he's a person that I've, he beat the record of Michael Schumacher. Uh, two weeks ago, last yeah. week, yeah, two weeks ago, and he never stopped really dreaming of winning more and more and more. And I think this is the mentality you need to keep to to always be success, to have success, never stop working, always winning, always in, uh, you know, uh, like he never won a race, and he's always there to fight. And also out of the race, the image that he have is uh, really powerful and. I think is one of the best um, example right now to follow for for an athlete. Brilliant, that's really cool. Okay, two more then. Even though one you kind of answered already. Uh, what's the worst advice you've ever been given? Uh, I will not say an advice, but you know, just a quote that normally a lot of boss tell you that I take you for to win, uh. not to finish in this position. Ooh. And I think this is like kind of a motivation that think is good, but is the worst that you can do to a rider. So I would not say it's an advice, but this is the worst things the that a rider can have. Time. Just not motivate him in in this way. So this is the worst things that people told me. Got okay. So then finally, what's the best advice that you could give to a young rider? I had the, this question last week and oh, to, sorry. to young <laughs> <laughs> in the press conference, but in, uh, in general, the most important when you're young is to have fun. And uh, this is the best advice I can give because uh, if you are not having fun and your parents are pushing so much to, um, to you for doing uh, this sport is not the correct way. If the, the kid uh, love it and enjoy is the most important thing and then he will have the time to train and to yeah. to think what he wants to do but if he enjoy he will he will be happy and is is the best advice i can give brilliant and and that's you that's you enjoying it loving it <laughs> of course still <laughs> enjoying we, it yeah. we did have a funny moment yesterday with hiroshi Ayama doing something with him and he said the first time that he got taken to ride a bike he didn't want to do it and he was crying and he hated it and he didn't want to do it. And his dad was like, no, you have to try it. Yeah, that's not good. But as <laughs> soon as he tried it, it was like, okay, I've made a huge mistake. This is amazing. <laughs> the first time you've got to find that special, balance, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Fabio, right. thank you so much for your time. No you know you've got to go. Really appreciate it. Thank and you your press so officer. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you very much. So welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that podcast with Fabio. As ever, we were going to give you a few things to look up this week after that conversation. We were just talking about it now, trying to choose a couple of things. 
I was going to go for that Motegi Moto 2 race, which in case you don't know, I don't think we mentioned at the time, we just went all controversy. Um, it was actually a race that he was then later disqualified from for a technical infringement. So that's why it's not on the results page, if you don't remember it and you're looking for it. But it was an impressive performance, like you said. And also that celebration in Catalonia classic yeah the uh, the old salt bay thing going on there uh, for me i think a, a colleague of ours i think neil morrison might have sent it to me during the week um the press conference from when fabio won uh, the a a race in no in or pole position or something in 20, 2015 when he was first in the world championship nick harris in the press conference interviewing him and he said yes fabio doing it in english and fabio went whoa uh, and his answers were basically I'm really happy let's go really fast tomorrow and that's all he could say and I think that's a really good thing to look up to remind yourself of this guy this is 2020 his first year in the world championship was uh, was 2015 2016 no well, yeah 2016 was his first yeah. year in the world championship yeah because that one you actually you referenced it slightly wrong there I think it's from the CV ah yes was well yeah t- CV I'm pretty sure it was if, if they went to the, it's 2015 2016 he was with the Australian we're Australia, confused now like because the CV traditionally joins the MotoGP paddock at Le Mans but that, was that when it first there. became the junior we, we digress we digress we but digress the point is it was amazing to see in such a short space of time the person that he's become and the racer that he's become and that little i think that's quite demonstrative if you can go and look up an old press conference from his cv days or even (laughs) his first year in the world championship and see how little english he spoke how shy but also how he still had that cheeky nature uh it shows the difference between who he was then and who he is now and i think it's absolutely awesome uh who have we got coming up we haven't got anyone organized at the moment do we but yeah we actually don't we're into the we know we want to talk to but uh yeah Yes, we're coming to the final few actual episodes of uh, the 2020 Last on the Break season, but we're gonna we're gonna be going out with some bangers, that's for sure. So I guess we'll see you, see you in a few weeks. Hopefully, <laughs> is that your sign off? Yeah. See you in a few weeks. Bye. I also said I was going to roast you, and I haven't yet had the opportunity. Uh, the reason that Matt is now wearing his jacket in a strange reverse reality is because he dropped water right down himself yeah. before we started to record the intro and outro. Yeah, so... Hope you enjoy that. Thanks for joining us as ever. Anything that you want to get in touch about, MotoGP podcast, hashtag, wherever you want to put it. Uh, and in the comment sections, always let us know what you think and we'll see you soon, hopefully, with someone equally exciting. Bye. Bye.